0: You can come follow with me to the Gospel of Mark, and um, we're going to read a little text there, and then in the Psalm 118 verse 22 we're also going to read. We first start in Mark, speaking about Jesus. It says, "And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders." and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again and he said this plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him but turning and seeing his disciples he rebuked Peter and said get behind me Satan for you're not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man and calling the crowd to him with his disciples he said to them if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, when he comes into the glory Of his father with the holy angels, sorry, the sinful generation, of him the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father and his holy angels. Father, bless us as we have read this word, as we receive this message. May your spirit speak through us. Bless the hearers, Lord Father, and just build us up. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ah, Psalm 118, verse 22. Let's just go there as well. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's that verse. Um, I don't know how many of you have ever thought about the mission work. I don't know if uh, you've been part of mission work, if you've helped either build a school, a library, maybe even closer to home, maybe missions on the streets, mission in, in different parts of England. There's all types of mission today, isn't there? There's a mission work happening right now. and Some even now call what we do here, Uh, as we share the gospel on the streets, as we feed the poor, or as we take care of those that are vulnerable. Some would also call that missional work on part of our missionary endeavor. And I I don't know how many of you think about those things or maybe prayed about it. I remember um, at the beginning when I was uh, kind of awakening to my calling, it was one of those things, kind of discovering and and hearing the great stories of missionaries. Bruce Olson, Gladys Aylesworth, uh, Jim Elliott... To name a few, I mean, there's uh, Hudson Taylor and many more. And there's others that are maybe not so recognized that have done recent works or are out there in in different parts of the world where it's sometimes difficult, challenging to share the gospel, where people haven't heard who Jesus is. No one understands that He's a Messiah, a Savior, or that, you know, there is a good news. There's something good that we have this gift, this grace, this loving uh, Father that brings us into a relationship through His Son, Jesus Christ. And um, one of my heroes, when I was growing up and thinking a lot, uh, was Jim Elliot. And I didn't realize how close to home he was to my life. And I'll share that more to the end. But Jim Elliot was, uh, I think, in the mid-50s. He was a missionary who was American training in Portland, Oregon. And he was a contemporary to the evangelist Billy Graham. I think he was around that years that they were studying in the university in the seminar over there. So Jim was uh, passionate and I think recently married to his wife Elizabeth, and he really heard about a part, a very remote village in Ecuador, where there was a, groups of people that did not know the gospel, but they were quite difficult, even dangerous um, to them to kind of share the gospel. It was hard for them to go into that area. Um, even locals, those that were native to Ecuador, were, were actually quite afraid of going into those villages because the, they were very aggressive. And uh, people who were digging up oil or tearing down trees were, were actually quite afraid even to go into. That's how aggressive they were. So Jim, with a few of his friends figured out, well, there's actually a way for us maybe if we fly a plane, a small propeller plane, around near the village, we could um, with a bucket and a string or a rope, put down gifts and begin to start communicating with them. So they prepared themselves, went to Ecuador, trained, learned the language, and they were out there. They, they started um, in, in the city of Quito, first to learn Spanish, and then they went into the area with the plane, and they did that, giving gifts, dropping it through the bucket, and slowly kind of making contact with them. Finally, they saw there was some return. Gifts were giving back. As they left the bucket empty, those, who were, uh, the villi- those this tribe would also send things back. They were giving gifts back and forth. So Jim and his friends thought, well, let's make contact with them. Let's, let's look for a landing strip somewhere near. They found, I think, a beach. And they landed the plane, and they started this relationship. Well, unfortunately, along this work, something happened that was really bad. Unfortunately, as as I understand, there was some misunderstanding in the communication, some offense or something angry, and the tribes attacked Jim and all the others. Now, Jim actually had a gun, and I think he must have realized that if he had used that, he would have probably made more damage than good. And together, I think, with six of his friends, these young men, all died sharing the gospel. Now, I'm not trying to put a damper on Christmas here. This is going to get up in a, towards the end. But it's just this missionary, this passion, this take up your cross, which we see here in the story of Jim Elliot. And it was, it was inspiring. When you're young, 18, single, you're thinking, hey, I can go to the world. I, you know, I was thinking, I'd love to go somewhere where there isn't the gospel and share. And i you know, not thinking all the dangers. Now, now with a big family and kids, it's like, yeah, let that for someone else. <laughs> you know, I, I'll do the mission work from here and pray and support someone. Unless the Lord says something, unless the Lord really puts it in our hearts and says, look, I need you somewhere, and, you know, and we hear it, and, and, we, and we get a confirmation from our church and elders and leaders, yeah, we, you know, God will supply our needs according to His riches and glories, amen? <laughs> so, seeing that, and th- seeing this text, a kind of challenge, and I, I know, we set the bar, I remember being young, setting this bar quite high and thinking, gosh, these missionaries, there was you know, giving it all, Gladys Ellsworth or Hudson Taylor going out there, not knowing the language and the culture having to go past all of these barriers just to tell people that Jesus loves them. The good news, the gospel, that he died on the cross to save us of our sin. And each challenge that they had, whether it was cultural, language, or just the, the, the understanding of what love and grace meant. It was hard. So, you know, sometimes we take it for granted. Those words are easy for us. Grace, righteousness, the justice of God, the free gift of God. But you have to understand, in some languages, this may, it was a difficulty because they didn't have a word for it or an understanding or an image or a context for that. And so these men had not just the challenge to go there and, and a threat of their life, but also, how do I communicate this? How do I get this message out in a way that people can understand it? And I admire them for that. I equally admire those who come from other nations to London. And you sometimes hear them that they don't speak English very well. And when you hear an accent, please think that's a courageous person who's had to take a step outside of their comfort zone. Maybe leave family, jobs, security to make a better life in another country. For good or for bad, and that's a challenge. When I think of, you know, it's very easy to to. You sometimes hear people say, "Oh, I learn how to speak English properly." Why don't you learn how to? And you think, "Wait a minute, they speak two languages. How many do you speak? Or three, or four, or even more?" So I know, I know, I, I get passionate about that stuff. So <laughs> that's my, my heart on that one. But um, thinking about that, and thinking about the text that we just read. It's something that I really enjoy, as I, as I look at the life of Jesus, You're these conversations that he has with his disciples. And as for me, I get really into it. I kind of try and get the image and the picture, and I try to feel everything in it if I, as much as I can. For those of you who know, I'm quite, it's about my EQ, my emotions. I kind of like, work with that side a lot more than my brain and than the kind of structure, the logics and the systems and stuff. I have my wife to help me with that. She's the, See, we work out a good team. She has all the structures and systems, and I just like my heart, my passion. I love people, and you know serving the lost and stuff like that. It's a great team. We, we work really good on that. And so there... Looking at this in the text, Jesus begins to explain to them, and he's the Messiah giving them the message very clearly. Why he came? What was the purpose of him being with us? Why was he here on earth? What was his? You've got to see that these men and women that followed Jesus, they saw the hungry fed, they saw the the dead resurrected, they saw miracle signs and wonders, they'd seen Jesus uh, confound and, and even astonished the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of his day. Even the Romans were sometimes in awe of what he would say and do. And he had this ability and this grace. And and to understand also the culture at that time, they were waiting for the Messiah. As we were listening a couple of weeks ago from the stump of David, there would be a shoot, a new life, a new, the king would come again. They thought there's no more Davidic uh, uh, lineage. And yet in Christ, this new kingdom, this new lineage, this new people of God will rise up that will be eternal, that His righteousness and His government would reign forever. So you can imagine, Jesus begins to explain, you've got the context that the apostles or Peter and all the disciples there are thinking, you know, we're following Jesus. And we're heading to Jerusalem. We're going to take over. We're going to make Israel great again. We're going to, you know, turn the world upside down. We're going to do things. We're going to be able to, to, to have this army together. I mean, they were probably seeing images of King David, maybe Solomon, maybe even images from the book of Daniel. When you look at Daniel chapter 7, there's this image of the Son of Man coming and His glory, His kingdom being established forever and overthrowing all other kingdoms and everyone surrendering to the Lord Jesus. And so these images are probably in Peter's head. These thoughts, these beliefs, which aren't wrong, are in the disciples. But Jesus begins this and he says to them, The Son of Man has to suffer and he will will be betrayed. And the elders will reject him, the scribes, those in authority. And he will die and rise up in three days. The disciples probably holding to Daniel 7 and to other messages about the kingdom, the righteousness, and his glory, and probably thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here? And especially Peter. You can see him, though. No? He had a bit of a case of foot and mouth, didn't he? He would always put his foot in his mouth. You see that Peter would almost kind of grab Jesus and pull him away and say to him, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what we signed up for here. I didn't sign up for this, I didn't sign up to be uh, sent out to die. Wait a minute, oh, you know, I've seen you raise the dead, I've seen you heal the sick, I've seen you uh, cleanse the lepers, I've seen you feed the 5,000. Wait a minute, you, you're saying now that you're going to be rejected, that we're going to, f- we're going to suffer, that we're going to have pain? Well, 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 I haven't signed up for this. And this is interesting because Jesus speaks clearly in this text. If you read the text at the beginning, it's not in parables. He's not being mysterious about it. If anything, He's being very clear about the message of the cross. He's being very clear what it means to be a disciple. Guys, if you're following me, he's saying, this is the price tag. This is the value. This is what it means. And they were just the beginning. And then Peter gets upset and angry and emotions begin to rise up. And so you can understand, they, they had not seen. Also, we get this, we can look back now. We see Isaiah 53. And we see the suffering servant. That by his stripes we will be healed. That we, you know, the iniquity of us will all be taken. We can see that. We get to see the bigger picture now. It's hindsight. We get to look back. Peter didn't. Probably didn't realize that Isaiah 53, together with Daniel chapter 7, these two prophetic images of the Messiah were actually the same person, were the same time. He didn't understand. He knew there was a resurrection. The Jews believed in a resurrection. They believed that he would be in the judgment. At the end, there would be this resurrection. But he didn't understand that the Messiah, him, Jesus the Christ. Remember that a few verses before what we read... Jesus asks them, who do you think I am? And it's not that Jesus has an identity crisis or doesn't know who he is. He's just, you know, awakening and kind of getting the disciples to understand who they are or who he is and who they are with him. And they say, you know, you're Elijah or you're John the Baptist or the people are saying that. And Jesus gets quite direct. Who do you say I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the, you know, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, you know, uh, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven you know, you haven't heard this on any of my sermons or any of the series. You haven't seen this in any of the cassettes or DVDs. This is revelation from God directly to you, Peter. You've just dis- understood who I am. So you can imagine Peter feeling quite confident. Hey guys, none of you got it. I got it. I found out that he's the Messiah. You know, it's, again, that kind of foot and mouth thing that he has. <laughs> but yet, God has a way of also keeping our discipleship and kind of like, okay, I'll take a few pegs down and he's rebuking him. This next text that we see We see that that, that Jesus now looks at the disciples and takes Peter away in front of them, not in front of the crowd, not in front of all the people, just in front of his disciples. He says, you know, you got this wrong, and even rebukes him. And he uses these hard words. Your mind is on the things of man. Satan, get away from me. You're you're thinking in a way that isn't godly. Your plans are, are humanly. You're trying to do this by force, by brute, by your ability, your strength, your talent, whatever it is. This isn't the way that God has sent me to be here. I've come. We see it. He born in a major. He went to asylum. He went to look for refuge in another nation. He came back in persecution, hiding. And yet, you know, uh, yes, the the anointing, the authority, the power when he preached and speak. People would say there is none like him. No one speaks with the authority. We've heard the Pharisees. We've heard Sadducees. We even heard John the Baptist. But Jesus, when he preaches, when he talks, there's something different. And people would come to him. So there was this thing, they were drawn to him, they were challenged by him, they were feeling, yet they couldn't get this part with it, this whole change that he had to also suffer and die. And That's the shock to the system and, Peter, and Jesus rebukes to them, he rebukes Peter more than anything. That you, your mind is wrong, what are you thinking of, where are you putting your thoughts in, why are you not thinking about what God wants to do, try and understand what I'm saying here. So we see the Messiah explains his purpose. We see the Messiah, why he came. We understand that he's explaining that, you know, you're going to follow me and it's going to get harder. But we also see the second part that the Messiah has to correct the future leader of of this new church, this new movement that was about to happen. He knew Peter had the potential in him. He knew that Peter inside would be the one who would lead these band of men and women. He would lead them into the next phase. As he leaves, Peter rises up and others and John and then Paul the Apostle. So even though he corrects him, even though you see Peter kind of feeling this is uncomfortable or whatever, Peter continues with Jesus, and he still makes more mistakes as you read the Gospels further on. But he he perseveres, he continues, he doesn't give up. And so the message is clear: Jesus is not being obscure. He's not trying to cover this up. He's not using riddles or parables. He's really saying it plainly to them: This is what it means to be the Messiah. And they didn't get the last part. And he will rise on the third day. And, you know, and the glory of God and the rest will begin to happen. I guess in some ways, similar to Gideon, maybe Jesus trying to shake off those who really are not serious followers. Like I said with the missionaries, you see these stories, you hear these things. And it's challenging. And maybe you get passionate. Maybe you're young. Maybe you're, you're single. Or maybe, you're, or maybe you're thinking about it even as a married couple, as a family. And it's so easy for us to kind of get passionate about something but really to understand the value, the cost, to really kind of meditate on that and say, Lord, what does it mean? And even here, because it's easy to say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's China or that's the Middle East or that's South America or Central America. Yeah, they, you know, that's really hard. But we also have our challenges here. We also have our, our battles here. We're also learning to establish the kingdom here with our families, in our works, in our studies. You may be having a haircut and someone begins to have a conversation about God, about the church, about the gospel, or about Jesus. And that's such an easy point where you could just almost be like, maybe I shouldn't say anything. But it's that boldness that should rise up in us and just kind of let it out. We've received so much from God. There's so much in us. And it's just like a, a, a vase of oil just waiting to be poured out you may not get all the words correct. You may not all get all theologically and systematically correct. But sometimes what you say, your story, your testimony, what you share about your life, your, the passion, the calling that's inside of you, it awakens someone else. And they begin to see you and they say, you know, can we talk more? You shared something. There's a hunger out there. There's hunger in the universities, guys. There's a hunger in, in the colleges. There's a hunger on the streets. There's a hunger, a spiritual hunger. And it's us as the church as we step out, as we, we're there, as we share, as we pray, as we talk. Even equipping our families and getting our children to, to, to share things. For me that's that's the part where I, I'm working. Obviously I've got the fivefold ministry, I've got the five kids, <laughs> I've got the I've got the full blessing there. Someone says, You should go for the twelve, you know, go for the tribe of you know, get to the, the that anointing of Jacob. Yeah. My wife is like, No. <laughs> this is where it ends. You know, you got the fivefold. You got the apostle, the prophet, the, the evangelist, the teacher and the pastor. There it ends. <laughs> so pray for me, brothers and sisters, <laughs> as the new year comes. But it is that challenge, isn't it? To, to raise them up. And it is that to, to see what the scripture, what, it is, what does it mean to follow Christ, to take up our cross. The image what we get in the context that, G, that the, the, the Mark Gospel was writing, they did see the cross. They would see it, and not in a beautiful way. We, we get this beautiful image here. We've got the gold, or the, 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 the adornment around it. Some of places you have Jesus on the cross. And it's wonderful to look at. Quite, quite inspiring. But you've got to see that in the time that Jesus was speaking about taking the cross, it wasn't this image. There were men, women, thieves, zealots, rebellious, people who were against Rome. People who were to be humiliated were hanging on the cross. The criminals, the despised, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and the religious would not touch those who are crucified. And those of the people of God will also stay away. It was a humiliating thing. So you can imagine Peter saying, how is it that you're going to die on a cross? What's this mean? How can you, this, this doesn't comprehend, this doesn't, I don't understand this. And Jesus, yet, there is no crown without the cross. There is no glory without the battle. And he, and, and he was trying to get them to understand, you're going to have to go for a difficult path. So getting all of that and understanding. And then Jesus begins this third part of his conversation there with them, talking to them about the price, the value of their soul. What does it mean if you win the world, you gain everything but lose your soul? What does it mean if you've, you've done everything, you've You've, you know, attain glory, fame, and power in a human way, yet your soul is lost. Again, in their context, to be rich and prosperous and famous was a sign of the blessing of God upon one's life. It's similar today, in a way. But as a Christian, there's also that other side, that we have to understand. That when we stand for the marriage and say that it's one man and one woman, we will be scorned and made fun of. When we say that we don't want our children to be educated in a wrong way, that we believe the Bible is the ultimate authority and truth of God and that are not that we try to filter things through our emotions and our ideas and ideology but we must filter the world through the word of God and when it's not right it has to be corrected through that yeah it's it's difficult it is hard it is a challenge as you speak to people as you talk to those who say well I'm this I'm that my identity is in this and you're trying to bring the conversations for them to understand that they're more valuable than that that their sexuality isn't their identity. There's much more than that. When we get to heaven, there's no longer those things to, to, to discuss. There's no longer uh, these, these issues that we're going to be prepared. But the argument's here to win it and to begin to preach the gospel here. So Jesus begins to say to them the value, the cost of being a disciple. How difficult it's going to be for them. How challenging it's going to be. It wasn't going to be an easy ride. I could imagine some people there following for the bread, the multiplication. It's good when everything's successful. It is easy to follow anything that's very successful and got momentum and everything's going well. But I think you see really the value in the heart of a person when they're with you in the difficult times, within you in the hard times, and even in the moments when you're feeling alone. You see that. They had to learn to deny themselves and it wasn't meaning that they can't enjoy this world or the life, it was just the priorities. It's the gospel, it's Christ. Then everything else comes into play. But in this last message he says, and not to be ashamed. That the son of man, this, again this, mess, this image of the book of Daniel, the son of man, this king, this prince, he will not be ashamed of you. If you are not ashamed of the gospel, if you are not ashamed of who Jesus is, the son of man, the God, the father will not be ashamed of you when he comes in glory. And want it to have that image, to have that thought. As we talk to people, as we share with those who are Muslim, atheists, learning how to bow our heads in prayer. I remember growing up, you know, I grew up in a Christian family, pastors and everything. And, you know, it was hard for me sometimes to pray in public places. But I, I, my friend, one of another pastor's daughter, said, you had it easy. I had it hard. I goes, why? My dad would sit us on a table, let's say at Nando's, and he would say, okay, uh, Debbie, stand up and pray for the meal. And in a loud voice, i was like, oh, okay, I had it easy then <laughs> compared to you. Being pastor kids or missionary kids is never easy. having that thing not to be ashamed, to share your faith. I mean, there's a right and wrong way to do it as well. And having that wisdom to do it is is, is always the challenging part. But loving people, that's the easy part. Well, so we say. (laughs) Seeing this, understanding the message and understanding to not be ashamed. Understanding the cross, understanding what this... It must have been a hard and difficult thing for them. But they continued with Jesus. They knew the price. They knew the value. And even in in the most difficult time in the crucifixion, They still kept, they followed him, they continued. And I think, coming back to my story of Jim Elliot. So Jim Elliot dies out in Ecuador. The Alca Indians kill him. You should do the Google, there's videos, there's films, maybe you've read it, I'm gonna share it. But why does it mean a lot to me? Ecuador, I'm not from Ecuador, my wife is. But um, my mom is from the north part of Peru, which is actually on the border of Ecuador. And uh, my mom one day, she opened up a photo album and as Latinos, we tend to be quite short compared to, you know, we're similar to some communities. We're quite short compared to Europeans. And so my mom has this photo of her, in black and white, and she's standing with these tall, Euro- that I thought were Europeans, white Europeans, really tall, and she's there with her sister and a few other people. They're standing. They're huge, and they're like, okay, who are these guys? Who are they? And I knew they were missionaries, and I asked, who are they? And so my mom said, that's Elizabeth Elliot and her I think a, a few other of the family. I said, do you know, you know Elizabeth Elliot? She goes, yeah, we, we worked with her in the north part of Peru. What do, you, do you know the story? And she said, yeah. They died. Her husband died. And Elizabeth, with her children, said, we've got to go to the Alcas. We've got to continue the work. And she did. And she brought the gospel to the Alcas. They came to know Christ. They came to know Jesus. The whole tribe, the village, the leaders became born-again Christians. But they didn't stay there. They continued to travel in and went down to Peru. And they shared the gospel to my family, to my, mom, well, to my mom's side of the family. And they would, do, they would do dental work, they would do all this type of work. And so this story means a lot to me, to think about Jim Elliot. And that's why I say he's quite, kind of a hero. And he said something, he put it in his diary. I like what he said. He says, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That always inspires me. He is no fool who, ki- who loses what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I think that's that's the message for me. That's the value as we think about Christmas. And I know, you know, okay, maybe I didn't give you the nativity today and kind of, you know, share about the Herod and everything, but it's still the gospel. (laughs) It's still the good news. And today, I want us to think about the value, the value of of sharing the gospel, the value of being a Christian, the value of our discipleship. I know it's challenging. I'm not saying you you, you get it right all the time, but there's opportunities there. And I'm so grateful. My parents then decided to come to England, and they didn't speak a word of English, and I remember being in a bus stop once, and, my, and a, an English lady looked at my mom and says, uh, who are you, what are you doing here, and my mom would say, yeah, I'm from Peru, I'm here, I'm a missionary, and the woman would no, you're not, this English woman would say, to her, no, you're not, I was like maybe seven or eight listening to the conversation, and my mom says, yes, I'm a missionary, I'm here sharing the gospel in London, no, you're not, missionaries go to the poor parts where there is no Christianity, and my mom says, yeah, there is no Christianity here, <laughs> at least in that area that we were in. <laughs> So it was, for me, it was always to see that legacy that we see in the disciples, we see that in Jesus, we see that in the Apostle Paul, we see that in the Reformation, we see that in, the, in Wesley, we see that in Charles Spurgeon, we see that, you know, it goes from glory to glory, we can continue to see, and yes, Europe is now maybe very different, post-Christian, but here we are, the nations, cultures, people from different parts of the world, and we get to share the gospel again, and we get, to, and we get it from a different position. Many of the missionaries came with wealth and power to South America, to Africa. They came with influence with their, with their money. But you've got to see a lot of the uh, Latinos, Filipinos, uh, Asian, Africans who come into Europe or to North America, they sometimes come with nothing, maybe just a bag, but they come with fire and a passion. And I think There's so much to learn from each other. That's why I love this polyculture. We, sh- we share, we talk, we learn. There isn't one culture better than another. We're thinking about the kingdom above all things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want us to stand as we pray and give, uh, and there is this thought I just wanted to say as we pray something that stood out for me is God is not ashamed of a disciple who takes up his cross and confesses Jesus and the gospel. Amen. Let us stand and pray and thank the Lord for this, for this time and this, this day. Father, I thank you that we get to stand here and share and worship together that others have paid a price and it all begins as well in, in the life of our Lord Saviour Jesus in suffering, dying on the cross and coming in a major in, in living in, the mom, in a most difficult situation yet loving and doing the will of the Father and that we now also Lord we get to share in that same mission we are co-laborers ambassadors of Christ we are now co-workers in Christ that we get to share that this message, that we get to say about the gift of God to humanity, to all people, all race, all tribes, all nations. That we could pray and share that message, that we could pray for the sick and see healing, that we can share the gospel and see people transformed, that we see the words of God being sown in hearts and, and beginning to produce life in, in people. So here we stand in the city of London, Lord, and you place us right here, you us in this wonderful place, Lord. And we pray and we prophesy and we declare, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Let us see, Lord, your glory and your power upon this nation, Lord, and to the nations, Lord. We thank you for all of those who, who are making the, the step of faith to step out and do your work and your will, whether it is to other nations or even here in the city, Lord. Remind us, Lord, the reason why you came. As we, as we sit together at Christmas... As we share our meal, as we share gifts, let us remember that the gift of Christ Jesus, our Messiah, his shalom, his peace, his, his righteousness, that eternal kingdom that never ends, Lord. So, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, for healing right now as well. Father, I pray for anyone that has ailments or pain, anyone that's suffering, Lord, Father, and I pray for healing on their bodies, bones, muscles, and tendons, Lord, Father. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your gifts of your spirit come upon them, your, your children as well, we pray bless our pastor pastor rod we pray lord in jesus name